Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Hills Oilers. It's Joe Bryan. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Trollunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. Glad to have you on board for this episode as you are, as we are all getting closer and closer to the NHL draft. If you're a newcomer to the show, maybe it's this time of year where you're starting to get more interested in prospects and you're looking to see who talks about prospects well, that's all we do here on the Pipeline Show is talk prospect hockey. So if you're new, welcome to the Pipeline Show. Hopefully you'll stick around uh, after the draft and through the off season and into next year and throughout the season as well, uh, instead of just coming in right before the draft. But if that's what you do, that's fine as well. If you're a returning listener, then thanks for coming back uh, for more of the Pipeline Show. As always, we start things off with the question of the day. I put it up uh, on Twitter earlier this week, so this one had a few days to uh, get some votes and things like that. Uh, the question was, uh, of the uh, of these four Belarusian players who are up for the draft this year, who gets taken first? And uh, the four names that I put up, I put them up in alphabetical order. Uh, Vladimir Alistrov of the Edmonton Oil Kings, of Vladimir Kolyachanok of the Flint Firebirds, Alexi Protus of the Prince Albert Raiders, and Sergei Sapego, defenseman, also with the Prince Albert Raiders. Those are the four players that I put up. If there's another Belarusian who gets drafted, there might be another one, but not ahead of uh, these guys. I would be pretty surprised by that. Uh, so those are the four players. Uh, my vote would have been for Vlad Kolyachanak, the uh, defenseman with the Flint Firebirds. Uh, I had uh, spoken to people around the top prospect game, and that's when I had him on the show that uh, was down in Red Deer. Uh, so you can go back to the shows in January and look that up. Like uh, Kolyachanak, I was told, might be the best Belarusian ever uh, to play in the NHL. And yes, there's there's a list of Belarusians. They're not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, huge impact players over the history, so... Uh, but uh, Kolyachanak is coming in with a, a bit of buzz and had a pretty good season with the Firebirds, a, a non-playoff team. Um, so he would have been my vote. The way it broke down on the uh, Twitter question is Alexi Protus with 41% of the vote. And maybe that's more of a, I don't know if it's a Western bias because I'm out West, so maybe the audience is a little bit bigger out here than it is uh, er- elsewhere. Uh, or because he, that's who most people saw most recently at the Memorial Cup with uh with uh, the Prince Albert Raiders and through the WHL playoffs, whereas Flint didn't make the uh, the playoffs. And Vlad Alistrov was okay in the postseason, but didn't have the impact that, that Protus did, or Sapego did, uh, for Prince Albert. Uh, so 41% for Protus, 34% for Vlad Kolyachanak, 17% for Alistrov and uh, Sergei Sapego 
uh, getting just 8%. I think there's a chance that Sapego doesn't get drafted uh, as he was eligible last year and didn't get taken. If you're looking for where that question is on Twitter, you, maybe you don't follow me yet, uh, you can you can do that. At TPS underscore Guy is where you would find me on Twitter. And uh, thanks to the 10.5 thousand of you uh, who are following me on Twitter. If you're uh, not yet, uh, why don't you give me a follow and then you can keep track of everything that's happening around the Pipeline show. Uh, news and notes this week. Well, one big one, obviously, uh, just coming out here as I'm speaking with you, it's Friday morning, and uh, it came out yesterday, Greg Drennan actually breaking the story that the Medicine Hat Tigers had parted ways with uh, head coach and GM Sean Clouston. Uh, and the reason they were doing that is because Willie Desjardins is going back to Medicine Hat. That has now been confirmed all of about uh, 10 minutes ago by the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, so Willie Desjardins uh, back in the WHL where he was a head coach, and uh, was he GM? I, I think he was GM as well. Back when the Pipeline show started in the uh, mid-2000s, uh, that's where he was uh, with guys like uh, Chris Russell and Cam Barker and a uh, long list of players, Tyler Ennis back then as well. So he's back in a familiar stomping territory, although a different rank than uh, when he coached and uh, and worked for the Tigers. But uh, good to see Willie Desjardins back in the WHL, unfortunately for Sean Clouston, and you'd have to think that that's a guy who won't be unemployed for long in the WHL if that's what he wants. If Maybe he's got pro aspirations, and I, I would think that uh, he, he's a guy who could move on to the American Hockey League, I would think. But you look around the WHL right now and where there are opportunities, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head, is there a coaching vacancy right now? Because the teams that struggled last year, now Prince George has got Mark Lamb, they, they made that change already. The, the Kootenai Ice have relocated to Winnipeg, but I believe everybody is still intact there. James Patrick uh, behind the bench and, and Matt Cockle as GM, Swift Current. Uh, status quo there. Regina's, uh, not hasn't made any change. So I'm not sure that there is a an opening right now. I mean, head coach vacancy in Kamloops, but not the GM job. So I'll be interested to see here what uh, what happens with Sean Cluson. Perhaps somebody, uh, a team gets off to a slow start and makes a change. I guess maybe the Brandon Weekings, uh, they uh, they had uh, made a, a general manager change, didn't they? But uh, not a head coach change. So uh, I guess they're only time will tell what's going to happen here uh, with Sean Clouston. But like I said, good coach, good GM, and uh, won't be out of work for long unless he's looking for a different opportunity outside of the Western Hockey League. Just my feeling. The NHL uh, Draft Combine uh, going this weekend, uh, all this this week in Buffalo and this weekend as well. And that made it hard for to get uh, some guests this week uh, who are draft eligible, like for the 2019 draft spotlight. So what I decided to do was, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity this week while all those guys are tied up and busy. I'm going to talk to some players who aren't at the Combine, and guys who were, you know, ranked, but a lot further down than, uh, you know, might be 5th, 6th, 7th round guys, might not even get drafted. So I grabbed uh, three of those guys you'll hear from on the show today. I'll tell you about that in a second. Saw a story on uh, sportsnet.ca, uh, Ryan McKenna writing up uh, a Q&A that he did with uh, David Branch, uh, the head of the CHL and the OHL. A lot of it focused on the announcement that uh, they're looking for a full-time CHL president. Uh, he, David Branch going to step back and only concentrate on his OHL duties. Uh, and so for the first time in a long time, the uh, there will be a CHL president. Uh, and interestingly, it won't be a CHL president to oversee everybody. He'll kind of answer to the three 
OHL, WHL, and uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh, commissioners. So in the Q&A story at uh, sportsnet.ca, Ryan McKenna's story, uh, David Branch is asked by uh, Ryan about uh, the qualifications the, the candidate has to have. And uh, David Branch replies, I think the new age individual has to have a feel for hockey at all levels, starting at minor hockey, up through the ranks, junior and pro leagues, doesn't have to have been a hockey player or totally immersed in the hockey program, and then must understand today's new environment as it relates to various multimedia platforms and social media and so on and so on. The new age, the new way. We need someone that has an idea and possibly some experience in that industry as well. So you got to be a hockey guy, obviously. You also have to be a, a media guy as well. So I don't know if there's no names that uh, immediately jump out at me, but uh, somebody that uh, is well versed in in uh, the way the game should be presented uh, to uh, to the fan, I think that sounds good. Uh, but also has to have a strong uh, understanding of how hockey works on and off the ice. Uh, also said that they hope to have somebody in place uh, before the start of the season, so that's over the next couple of months. Uh, last thing to mention: uh, you, you go to whl.ca. And right at the top, you will see a giant green fluorescent green banner that says class action lawsuit information. It's basically the WHL explaining the whole a lawsuit situation and, and the CHL's perspective uh, on uh, the ramifications of everything if it happens to go through. And if, in fact, it turns out that players will have to be paid a minimum wage and uh, what the ramifications would be for not just the Canadian Hockey League, but for amateur sport in general. Also provides links for the players if they uh, choose to opt out of the class action lawsuit, which I think is the the, the reason the WHL would put this up. Uh, I noticed that the Q and the Ontario Hockey League websites do not have something similar like this. So uh, this is a WHL thing. Although when you click on it, it redirects you to an area on the CHL website, chldefense.com, with all the CHL uh, information at the top. So pretty interesting. I, I don't know how much I'm going to talk to... Uh, about this again this offseason i did so much of it last offseason and the offseason before that uh, i suppose if you guys if you the audience want to hear more about it and, and want me to get more players on to talk about it uh, from their perspective uh either current or former players i could do that i could try uh, so maybe let me know uh, how you feel about it you i think by now you know how i feel about it but perhaps i could uh, endeavor to get like rick westhead on uh, from tsn who i think if you've read his stuff you're it's it's pretty easy to tell which side of the uh, the argument he's on, and I wouldn't have him on to debate the, the issues, but to uh, get his perspective and uh, maybe an update on where things are headed. All right, but I am open to uh, your suggestions and ideas of what you would like me to talk about in the offseason starting after the NHL draft. Between now and the draft, it's all draft, basically. Uh, after that in July, July is the offseason. Let's be honest, there's nothing happening in July. So if you want me to uh, to cover anything specific in July, I am open to ideas. In August, then you've got uh, camps for the U20, the, the U20 Summer Showcase, the U18 camp, then the Holinka Gretzky Cup, uh, and uh, training camps open in August. So uh, there's lots already to talk about in August, and we get into our WHL uh, previews uh, with all the uh, play-by-play guys. So August gets pretty busy. July is the one down month. Um, so... Uh, you tell me what you want me to talk about here on the Pipeline Show in July. What we're talking about today, though, here is what's coming down the pipe, as uh, I do have four guests that you're going to hear from. 
We're going to start with uh, Willie Palov, who uh, writes for the Halifax Chronicle Herald, uh, obviously in Halifax. It's a recap of the Memorial Cup, and I spoke with him on Monday. That interview has been up at uh, the on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash the pipeline show. That one's been up all week. So again, for patrons, they, uh, they'll pay one or two bucks a month uh, and uh, get early access to all the interviews that you're going to hear on this full show. Uh, you can do that as well patreon.com slash the pipeline show uh, but that particular interview has been up for like four days already uh, the rest of the show all these interviews have been up for a day or two as well but not for four days uh, like the conversation with willie we're gonna have three 2019 draft spotlights we're gonna start with mark Kastelik of the calgary hitman a guy who was passed over last year had a terrific season for the hitman and uh, i totally expect he gets drafted this year Probably in the mid-rounds, though, because he's already been overlooked once and isn't one of those uh, guys who was at the NHL Combine this year. So Mark Kastelik, you're going to hear from him. Then a couple of guys who are much further down the the rankings. NHL Central Scouting has Roddy Ross, goaltender of the Seattle Thunderbirds. They, they have him pegged 17th in North America. So are there 17 goalies taken in the NHL draft? It's You know, that's right around the bubble. But uh, Roddy Ross joined the T-Birds just after the calendar changed to 2019, got off to a terrific start, helped that team get back to the playoffs this year. Uh, you're going to enjoy that conversation a lot. Another uh, potential late-round gem, Zach Okabe, who plays in the Alberta Junior Hockey League for the Grand Prairie Storm. He's headed to St. Cloud State to uh, play for the Huskies. He is ranked uh, number 201 in North America by Central Scouting. So, you know, obviously a good chance he doesn't get drafted at all, but uh, could be a real good late-round pick. You know, this is a guy who, if he doesn't get drafted, he goes to college, and three years from now we're talking about a potential uh, a high-end UFA or something like that. So uh, we'll see. Zach Okabe, great story, too. His uh, pretty unique story for Zach Okabe, his path to get to get to where he is, the, the places he's lived and grown up along the way. Uh, you have not heard a story like his. So uh, that will close out the show today. We will kick it off, though, with Willie Palov. Reporter for the Halifax Chronicle Herald in Halifax to recap the 2019 Memorial Cup. That leads off the Pipeline Show next. I'm Trey Fitzwilanski of the Edmonton Oil Kings. At his own blue line now, Fitzwilanski cutting in right circle. Dances around his man to his backhand. Forehand, he scores! Oh my goodness, Trey Fitzwilanski. What a move, what a shot. What a goal. Oh, mama. And this is the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. 
We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Fine ham abounds, Mom. All right, let's kick off this episode of The Pipeline Show looking at the Memorial Cup and what happened. It just wrapped up, and a guy who was there from start to finish, he's my CHL insider uh, today, and that's uh, Willie Palov. Uh, welcome back to The Pipeline Show, Willie. Uh, and from uh, the host perspective, being that you're in Halifax, not that you're hosting the Memorial Cup, but uh, pretty successful event by all accounts. Yeah, in, in all ways it was successful. Uh, I mean, on the ice, you, you, you did have four really good teams. Um, it's always a worry that the host isn't going to live up, but, uh, you know, they opened with wins over the OHL and WHL champions. So, uh, they, they were legitimate as soon as that happened. And then, uh, the only team they couldn't beat was Ruan Aranda, the Quebec League champion, but that was a team that, Set records for wins this year, so um, it was great on the ice, off the ice. Uh, it was a lot like the 2000 World Cup here. They averaged close to 10,000 fans, um, but they added some other wrinkles that were really popular. Um, out, free outdoor concert every day with uh, r- really good local bands and uh, a few other things. So yeah, it was everything was good except the weather. It rained a lot, so <laughs> but there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, that's true. You can't control the weather, that's for sure. Uh, okay, let's get to the the hockey on the ice. You mentioned uh, Halifax looked really good. They were they had the best record. They had the uh, the buy right to the final, but uh, when it was all said and done, could not beat the, the Huskies. And saw that in the uh, the final of the queue. It was the only team that beat Halifax uh, during the round robin play. So. When it's all said and done, it almost kind of feels right that Ruan Miranda won it, even though obviously disappointing for the local fans, but it kind of uh, worked out the way maybe we should have expected it to. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, if you go all the way to the beginning, uh, Prince Albert, they, they won game seven in overtime on a Monday at West, uh, had one day off, flew here on Wednesday, crossed three time zones, and had to play Halifax on the Friday opener that was tough for them from the start they actually played really well and then they played well again in their next game but by the middle of that one you could see that everything was catching up to them I I thought they had a good tournament you know so uh, and comparatively uh, Ruin Naranda had never seen Guelph for obvious reasons and uh, they had a big fast team with a lot of skill and kind of caught them asleep for no more than maybe eight, ten minutes, um, but uh, was enough to beat them. So that was Ruin Naranda's opener, a bit of an eye-opener for them. And then after that, they really settled into what I saw from them all year, which was a team that, uh, boy, they, they just put so much pressure on the forecheck, and they skate, and they've got skill. And, you know, by the time they got into the semi against Guelph, and then, of course, the finals Halifax, it was – no more than 30 or 40 minutes into the game, and they had just worn down the other team. So as well as Halifax played yesterday in the first half of the game, it was all ruined around after that. And I think even Halifax fans would leave there feeling like, yeah, we we did well to get this far. We played them hard, but uh, the Huskies were the better team. 
back-to-back wins for uh, Mario Pouliot uh, with, but doing it with two different teams. I know coaches have done it before, but has the coach ever won it back-to-back years with, with two different teams? You know, not that I can think of. I, I feel like there have been two other times in the Quebec League where they've won the championship, but not in the Memorial Cup. I know they've won. I think there have been coaches who've won it for different teams, but certainly not back-to-back. But uh, he, he's an interesting case. Um, he coached in Rwanda as an assistant years ago, uh, got the job, eventually made his way to Bathurst and won there. But um, they went so deep uh, with the trades they made in Bathurst that he, he knew there would be nothing left to, to coach this year and started looking around. And um, what's interesting about choosing Rwanda was, was that his son was uh, one of the top scouts there for a few years and pretty much built that team. He left a couple of years ago. He's, He's now scouting for the Vegas Golden Knights, but um, Mario went back and had all the info on all of all the kids that they had in place there. Twenty of their twenty-three players were drafted by the Huskies and developed there, so it's a great success story that way. But kind of an interesting little angle there with the family connection too. Well, I love that it, that it's a basically a homegrown team. Yes, they added Noah Dobson and Joel Teasdale, uh, but. What you just mentioned, they drafted 20 of the 23 players that they just won the Memorial Cup with. That's amazing. It is. And this is a team that went to the Memorial Cup final four years ago. Right. So you know how the cycle's going junior. Um, if, if you're going to go all in, it's pretty hard to get back to the top that fast. But because they had done it through the draft, and not just with first-rounders, and, and that's why you know, maybe maybe guys like us who fall prospects are a little biased this way, but if you're scouting and you're finding really good players in the second, third, and fourth round, or even later in some cases, uh, you know, that's how you can keep your cycle from, uh, you know, you can avoid hitting those real lows. And they did that. So outside of uh, Dobson, Teasdale, uh, you know, who are their last minute additions, everybody else pretty much grew up in that organization. And, and that, again, that's, that's a nice reflection of the small market situation too, because they don't have, the budgets to bring in Europe, Europeans the way some of these bigger market uh, teams do or, or you know, often uh, the top drafted players don't want to report there. So I love seeing those smaller towns win like that. Well, and we're seeing that all over right now. Of course, uh, Bathurst winning last year, uh, Ruin Miranda this year. Out here, it's, uh, last year was Swift Kurt, smallest market team in the dub. And uh, Prince Albert this year, the second smallest market uh, in the Western Hockey League, uh, winning league championships. So it, it's kind of cool to see the uh, the small the small markets uh, having success, despite maybe what we would perceive as big disadvantages. Well, that's right because you know the disadvantage the small market teams have is the tournament's too big for them to host now. Right. Uh, you know, maybe thirty or forty years ago, you could put it in a rink that had three or four thousand people, but. Uh, Every CHL league now is limited to, you know, maybe a half dozen places. So Halifax has had it twice in 19 years. It's probably going to go back to Moncton soon. Uh, it's been in Quebec twice in the last little while. Um, you know, so they get that host automatic entry. That's a huge advantage. But, uh, you know, these smaller places, they don't have that option. They have to earn their way there. So um, to see Bathurst and Ruin Randa do it back-to-back, and like you said, uh, Prince Albert, I know Mark Habscheid made a real point of that in his closing press conference. Uh, to, to see some success in a small market there, it's, it's, I, I feel like, anyway, it's really important for junior hockey. 
Willie Palov, my guest, he's my CHL insider. He writes for the Halifax Chronicle Herald. The painful loss for the Mooseheads, I mean, they they were very impressive in the tournament. The, what's going to be a worse feeling for them looking back, though, losing to an arch rival or knowing you blew a two-goal lead halfway through a game? Wow, both, because don't forget, uh, Rune Naranda won the Quebec League Championship on their ice, too. Mm. Uh, so within the space of a couple of weeks, they, they had to watch another team celebrate uh so that's tough. You know, losing is is bad enough, but you have to watch somebody else celebrate in your own rink. It's a, you know, it's a little bit of an extra there. But um, I suppose this, if you want to go really deep, uh, the Huskies went out and paid a pretty big premium for Joel Teasdale and Noah Dobson, uh, players that I know Halifax had interest in, but perhaps because they were hosting, weren't quite as willing to pay that price. So uh, they they'll still have a good team next year. I, I suppose if you're if you're them, you might think over the summer. Well, maybe we should have uh, gone out and had them on our side, which it, you know obviously takes them off somebody else's roster too. But those what ifs are hard to uh, beat yourself up about. This is a team that that was deep. They they had good players at every position, and they you know they made it to the championship game. So uh, they uh, they deserve to be there and. They uh, represented the, the the league well too, because as you know, in the last ten or fifteen years, we've seen some real duds as hosts. So uh, you know, good for them. Uh, what did you make of the Guelph Storm? And you mentioned their size. I actually picked Guelph before the tournament started uh, as I, the team I thought would win, and I thought that size would actually be a, a determining factor. They ended up having four of the top eight scorers, uh, three of the top or two of the top three scorers in the tournament, but in the end uh, couldn't get past the semifinal. Yeah, you know, I'll say two things about them. I mean, the book on them was that, uh, you know, they avoided elimination so many times in the OHL, came back from a 3-0 deficit once. Um, so they were definitely the most pressure tested, and, and I thought that that would work for in their favor as the tournament wore along. But And then their first game was uh, against Ruin Aranda, and their size really stood out. And also... Um, not to get too technical, but they were really stretching the ice with some long passes, and they could you could see they they knew how to break the game open. But um, you know, with the way these things go, uh, you could tell that uh, the Huskies had done a lot of video work and adjusted some strategy defensively. But also, um, they they turned the pressure up on Guelph. They they brought you know two four checkers deep on them, and they they just wore them down and. Uh, while they were doing that, uh, you know, they, they put a lot of pressure on Nick Suzuki, who had carried them so far, and it, it felt like the pace uh, kind of overwhelmed them a little bit, which I, I wouldn't have expected. So um, they did play well. Uh, the wins they had, they, they were pretty impressive. But in that semifinal, uh, by the third period, they were just worn out by the Huskies. So it was, it was I think, more a matter of, of Ruin Aranda outplaying them when when they had that big opportunity. You touched on Prince Albert uh, a little while ago. Uh, if um, if there was one thing about the tournament I would change, it would be that the the host and the the other team from the host uh, uh, league would open the tournament so that the two teams traveling the furthest wouldn't have to play on opening night. So like next year, for instance, Kelowna, I would have Kelowna playing the other WHL team on opening night. Um, I, I'm not suggesting that that's why Prince Albert didn't win a game, but uh, what you pointed out, they they were the last team to qualify and they had to open the tournament. Probably not a good setup for them. 
Uh, what do you think? If uh, if that change, if it's even possible, would you do it? Well, I think at the very least, you you look at the geography and give the team that's coming the farthest the second game. So uh, the team from the Quebec League next time it's out west, you know, don't put them on the first night. They're the one who has the time change and the furthest distance and all those things. I, I, I do think that if the Raiders had had an extra day to get to Halifax, uh, settle in a little bit, maybe change their sleep patterns a little bit, uh, it would have been a bit different because keep in mind they were they were pretty close to winning that opening game. Um, so I, I do I do agree in the sense that uh, the host team should play on the first night, but let's at least uh, you know give them an opponent that's not coming cross country to start things off. That said. Akadi Bathurst uh, went to Regina last year and uh, ended up winning. So I guess we shouldn't necessarily uh, <laughs> make it a uh, foregone conclusion that the team that travels the furthest is, is not going to have success because they did it uh, just a year ago. Uh, when you look at Prince Albert, anybody in particular stand out uh, in a good way for you? Yeah, the Noah Gregor was really good. Um, I didn't know much about him before the tournament. Um, and I learned as the tournament went along, that his, his dad actually played univer- university hockey down here at Acadia. Yep, so there was yep. a, a little local tie-in. Um, but he was really impressive. He was, for me anyway, their their best player. He was driving everything. He skates so well. And uh, I mean, I know he's a 20-year-old, but uh, his maturity was really impressive too, you know, in his off-ice interviews. Um, so that's the player that stood out the most. I thought he deserved to have a an all-star spot. They didn't give anyone on the Raiders a spot on the tournament all-star team. That that would be one change I would have made. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was good. And uh, he, obviously Ian Scott was great in goal. Uh, he, you know, had to deal with a lot of quality shots as you do when you get to this level. But uh, he looks like he'll be a good pro too. Uh, is Was there a draft eligible player that uh, impressed you? I know you've seen a lot of, of Raphael Lavoie this year. Anybody else? Yeah, well, Lavoie was good. Uh, he had a really good Quebec League playoff. He 20 goals in 20 games, I think it was. You know, led the league and second in scoring, all that. He he was good. He scored a really nice goal last night. And he's a guy that needed to do that in front of scouts because uh, he had some he had some lulls this year. And uh, the talk was, you know, that could be a weakness they're finding. You know, when you're, you're talking about a player in the first round, they're gonna analyze everything right and to, to see him tail off like that at times was a bit of a flag um but more than that i, I think there's some guys who uh were maybe passed over once or twice that did well felix bebo for ruin aranda is a 19 year old and he was great uh tournament all-star I, I have to think he gets uh some attention now mm-hmm. and their their leading scorer well the league leading scorer from the regular season peter Peter Bandonato was great. Got to think that translates into uh, a free agent contract. And uh, the only other guy I can really think of would be uh, Brett Leeson, who I'd heard a lot about, but uh, he looked gassed later on in the tournament. You can see his tools. So I I think scouts have seen enough of him that it's not going to hurt him too much. But uh, there were definitely some flashes there where you could see the athleticism. So, um, Interesting crop, but uh, but like I said, but a lot of times the, the bulk of the scouting done before they even get here. Yep, that's true. Uh, all right, well, we'll leave it with uh, just any uh, what's going to be the lasting memory you have from uh, the 2019 Memorial Cup in Halifax. Um, you know, probably that everything just fell into place, uh, like like you mentioned earlier on. Um, I think every league that hosts hopes 
that the host team plays the champion, uh, and they got that here. And then, like we talked about, the best team won, I felt like. Um, I thought Noah Dobson was the best player. I'll remember that. And uh, I love seeing those smaller market teams win. So, you know, probably when I'm looking back on that, that those will be the things that stand out for me. Hard to disagree with any of that, Willie. Uh, as always, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the off season. We'll be calling in about three months. Right on. Great. Thanks for having me. Nice talking to you. Here's Willie Palov from the Halifax Chronicle Herald. Uh, always uh, great to have on the Pipeline Show, and uh, he had the bird's eye view there in Halifax for the Memorial Cup. Uh, lots been made about the WHL champion struggling at the Memorial Cup, something I'll probably weigh on here in the next uh, week or two uh, at dubnetwork.ca and my uh, flaming hot takes uh, column that I write there. CHL Insider, as always, brought to you by the store next door in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. They were tweeting out some pictures. We've had lots of smoke and fires in Alberta. Uh, they, are, they they were having a flooding, and they were taking putting some pictures up on Twitter of all the, the flooding around uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. So environmental disasters are uh, becoming more and more regular, it seems, but we don't want to get too political. It's a hockey show. Uh, but support the store next door. Go to the uh, website, thestorenextdoor.ca. Check out uh, all the products that they have available and what they do with all the hockey sticks, the broken hockey sticks that they can collect. Maybe you can uh, locally organize something where you can collect a bunch of hockey sticks, gather them all together, talk to them about uh, shipping them to the store next door, and they'll uh, take care of the shipping costs if you're uh, sending in a big bundle, like five, 600 uh, broken sticks, something like that. Uh, and they will make some great products out of it. And uh, you can check that out at thestorenextdoor.ca. Look at their catalog. And uh, just a, a quality group of people doing uh, great things for their community, employing people with disabilities, and uh, making some great products uh, for everybody to, uh, to enjoy. Up next on the Pipeline Show, three consecutive episodes or segments where we will have the 2019 Draft Spotlight. Uh, up first... The captain of the Calgary Hitmen, his name is Mark Kastelik, coming at us from Phoenix, Arizona, a guy who was passed over last year in the draft. It's not going to happen this year. Get to know him next. And Dallas fed him the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. Hart doesn't have it, does he? No, he kept it out. What a stop by Carter Hart right on the goal line. Woof, skipped off his glove, and it stayed out by millimeters. Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Well, we are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and it's time for an In the Dub segment. It happens to also be a 2019 Draft Spotlight segment, as the, the guest uh, that is draft eligible comes from the Western Hockey League, and all the WHL segments here on the Pipeline Show are brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. If you are wanting to keep in touch and stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League, 
Make dubnetwork.ca one of your first stops every day. Uh, my guest today joins me from, uh, well, he's in Phoenix right now, placed for the Calgary Hitman. His name is Mark Kastelik. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Mark. Thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to go in here. Well, I appreciate you making the time today in the, in the off season. I know you're down in Phoenix right now, and uh, I imagine enjoying some sun. Uh, it, I'll, I'll tell you, it's pretty warm right now in Alberta as well, but I'm guessing a little a little warmer probably in Arizona. Yeah, it's definitely pretty toasty here, but I think I'm pretty used to it now. I've just been here my whole life, so I think it's a little bit of a weather change and coming from up in Canada, but I definitely enjoy it, and it's nice to spend my summers here with my family. Uh, well, let's talk about this uh, this past season for you and for the Hitmen. And uh, it was a, a season of change for the Hitmen. Uh, new head coach, who we knew very well up here in Edmonton, in Steve Hamilton, and obviously uh-huh. the the normal change of players: some guys in, some guys out uh, over the course of the regular season. But it was a return to the playoffs for the Hitmen. That obviously uh, one of the end goals at the start of every season. You're looking to make sure you get to the playoffs. And in that regard. It was a successful year for Calgary. How would you view the year for the Hitmen and for yourself personally, Mark? Yeah, definitely, it was, I think, overall an exciting year with uh, Hammy coming in. I think he was a great addition for our team personally as a coach, and I think he did a great job uh, over the course of the year kind of really getting the guys to kind of buy into what he was talking about. And as far as the group goes, it was a little bit of a up-and-down year, but I think... In the end, we just learned so much about ourselves and kind of just stuck with it. And eventually, we reached one of our goals in making the playoffs. And, I mean, obviously, we came up short of our end goal of the championship. But I think just the guys we had in the room and the coaching staff, it was all just a great year all around. And I think it just kind of really really sets us up for next season And because we're returning a lot of the same core group so it's going to be a really exciting time coming up in the next year especially well every year there's three or four teams that have a new coach and i'm always interested to see which ones maybe take a little bit longer to to find their their wheels and get clicking uh than the others do and, and i thought for calgary it did take maybe a month or so before you guys really started it it looked like from the outside looking in uh was coach and team on the same page well, why the slow start for you i mean certainly you were one of the best teams in the second half of the season but it was a slow start. Why do you think that was? Uh, I mean, I'm not really too sure. I think we definitely, preseason, we really came out firing. I know it's only preseason, but we were all really excited what we accomplished there, going winning every game. But then I think we just kind of just started with the first couple games. We didn't get off to the right foot. And then it was just a little bit of kind of getting to know the systems and coaching staff and just, I think in the end, we all, and a little bit of line configurations as well, but I think it was just kind of, we didn't really feel like we weren't playing our best. It was just kind of wasn't working out in our favor. But once we kind of got rolling there, uh, it was clear that we had what it, we kind of had what we wanted and what we were expecting, and we just kind of took off after the first month or so. Well, and for you, this was uh, your fourth season in the Western Hockey League. Uh, you went from 45 points last year to 77 points this year, including 47 goals. You had more goals this past season than you had points the previous year. I have to think uh, you're pretty happy on a personal level with the way you played. Yeah, I think uh, I'm pretty happy with my performance this year, but at the same time, I'm not really, I'm never going to be satisfied. I always want to kind of take it to another level and 
but a part of my success has always been my teammates. And I think this year I played with a lot of great guys and they're all, they'd all contributed to my personal success. And I'm really lucky. I had the chance to play with guys like Chris Keys, Zimmerman, Elder, Folk, all those guys, I think really contributed to my personal success. And I think confidence was also a huge part of why my game took off. I think I got off personally on the right foot right from the start of the year. And I think I just, my game kind of grew each game and I really was, I think overall pretty happy with how my year went. I think I kind of just set myself up well for what's to come. Well, crediting your teammates like that spoken like a true captain and uh, you were the captain of the Hitman this year. Was that uh, an easy transition for you to go to take on that leadership role? What was it like uh, wearing the C? Uh, it was a huge honor. First of all, I was real, real excited and, thankful that my teammates and coaching staff believed in me enough to give me the captaincy but yeah I think personally it was a pretty smooth transition for myself just based on the leaders I've had in the past who I've learned from plus just the guys we had in the room last year also made my job really easy we had a lot of leaders in there and a lot of guys who didn't even have letters that were great leaders for our team and I think I just kind of embraced the role and grew with it as the season went on. By the end of the year, I think I was just pretty comfortable and confident in my role as a captain. And at the same time, I don't think I really changed too much about who I was as a person and as a leader. And I just kind of tried to stay stay true to myself and just kind of continue what I've always been doing and just try to lead by example. Mark Kastelik is the uh, captain and uh, forward with the uh, Calgary Hitman, uh, he's my guest here on the Pipeline Show in uh, one of our 2019 draft spotlight segments this week. Uh, we'll get to the draft and all of that stuff in a little bit, but uh, for my the benefit of my audience, who uh, is North American-wide, so there will be people on the East Coast that are hearing this interview and might not follow the WHL as closely as obviously uh, we do out West here uh, and might not recognize the name Mark Kastelik. Uh, maybe let's get a bit of background. Uh, you mentioned you're, you're in Phoenix right now, and you're born and raised in Phoenix, correct? Yeah. That's correct. Who got you into hockey at such a young age? And maybe when did you start playing? Do you remember? Uh, well, my dad, I don't know if you know this, he played uh, in the NHL for over the course of quite a few seasons. Just up, He was playing in the minors as well, but him and my grandpa also played in the NHL mm-hmm. for Team Canada too as well. And then, so they both definitely got me started. And I kind of guess it was just always in my DNA to be a hockey player, but I think it definitely started with my dad kind of just getting me involved after he retired and I kind of became old enough to kind of get interested in the game. But I think I started around seven years old. That's when I first kind of just started with uh, like rec or probably like house league hockey. And then I kind of just worked my way up from there. But my dad's always been probably the main, my main supporter and the reason I kind of just took off and got to where I am now. Yeah, I, I know your dad, Ed, played in the NHL, but I, I don't want to spoil that for the audience, so, so I let you uh, tell the story a little bit. A former London Knight, as a matter of fact, so a guy who, who uh, I mean, he's, he's uh, from Toronto, isn't he? Isn't he from Ontario? Yeah, he's from, born uh, Mississauga, I believe. Yeah. Just grew up there and 
Yeah, so he's familiar with the Canadian Hockey League. So, yeah, natural natural progression maybe of uh, why you came north. But we'll get to that in a second as well. But um, now you, you mentioned uh, seven years old you started playing. And I mentioned there were some other sports uh, maybe more traditional for uh, Arizona down there that you got involved with as well. What did you play? What else did you play other than hockey? Well, I think when I was younger, I played all kinds of sports like soccer, flag football. And I ran track and field and cross country. And when I got a little bit older in school but I I also like just from my family background my sisters were both all athletes they played college soccer and volleyball and stuff like that so I think I I always think it's great to play all kinds of sports and I definitely really enjoyed that when I was younger and I almost wish to this day that I could still continue playing them just because I enjoy them so much nice Uh, have you always been a forward when it came when it comes to hockey have you always been a forward yeah I've always been forward but even when I was younger I I really loved playing goalie too but I think it just wasn't really – I always enjoyed forward that much more than playing goalie. All right. What what attracted you about being a goaltender but never actually gave it uh, a, a serious shot? I mean, I think I just enjoyed playing it. I played more uh, – always played in, the, like, the garage or played street hockey. I always played goalie, and I thought I was pretty good at it. But hmm. I think I had a better future at forward, and just I enjoyed it that much more to being able to – play physical and score goals and stuff like that. Uh, Mark, tell me about minor hockey in uh, in Phoenix, in the Arizona area. And, and uh, I imagine over the last 20 years, it's it's I'm, I'm guessing it's grown a lot, especially, I mean, the Phoenix Coyotes relocating there a, a number of years uh, before that even. Um, what was minor hockey like growing up for you? And, and I don't know if you can compare it now that you've spent a lot of time in Calgary um, with what we have up here. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot different, but I think, I think it was great for me. I really enjoyed it. And I played minor hockey for a couple different organizations down here, but everyone really kind of just, I really enjoyed my time with each different one. And most recently I played with the Phoenix Junior Coyotes. And I think compared to up in Canada where you have a lot of competitive local teams here, there's about one or two per age group. So that just meant us uh, traveling around a lot mm-hmm. to different cities around the U.S. and playing tournaments or playing against the other top teams from different areas. So I think that's probably the biggest difference. But for that reason, I, I really enjoyed that part of it, the travel and going to just compete against the top teams in the country always. And I really think that prepared me too for the next level and playing in the, the dub. But it's definitely different, but I think, it's just as good, and I really enjoy my time playing in Phoenix with all my buddies, and I definitely still have buddies that I skate with now in the summer that are playing at high levels as well. Uh, I, and that travel, maybe it does uh, translate pretty well to uh, the Western Hockey League. A lot of travel out here, but uh, certainly for what you were playing down there, you had to move around a lot as well. Um, uh, let's talk about the Bantam draft and uh, what your expectations were going into it. In, in 2014, you were taken uh, 41st overall in, in the second round by the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, when I talked to players up here, a lot of guys got to stay home from school and follow it along on their phone or whatever. Uh, what was draft day like for you? Uh, for me, it was very much the same. My, my dad let me stay home from school, too, to watch it. So that was pretty fun. It was a pretty fun day for me and my family. So I was just kind of watch, following the draft on my computer. And then when the first round came and went, I was kind of a little disappointed, but... I wasn't too sure where I was going to go, but then as soon as I saw Calgary draft me, I mean, 
disappointment instantly goes away and you're just so excited and they were really excited to get going with me and they brought me up a few weeks later and I just really enjoyed my visit there and I think it was a great fit for me and a perfect match and I was just I mean draft day all around was super exciting for me my family it's pretty hard to believe that it was already like five years ago I mean seems like just yesterday but It was such a great day, and I'm really, I'm really thankful Calgary drafted me too. Yeah, it goes quick for sure. Um, you were the first American taken that year, and I'm always interested to see when the first American will be drafted because you, you never really know, at least from the outside looking in, uh, exactly where the intention is uh, for an American player because uh, not maybe not natural to to think of the, the Canadian Hockey League. For you, was it always the CHL, or did you have some NCAA uh, interest as well? Uh, I think for me, just. With my background, my family background, and my dad, uh, we were always pretty high on WHL and just what the league brings and the pro schedule and the grind, as they call it. And I think that was always the best fit for me, too, just because coming from minor hockey, we barely played any games and there was a lot of practices. And I think I really wanted to get that heavy game schedule. And so... We were always sold on the WHL, but as soon as it was Calgary, I think it was pretty much an instant fit and a perfect match. So I kind of committed to them right away, and I was really excited I did. Now, when you spend your off-seasons back in the States, do you do you almost feel like a bit of an ambassador for the WHL? Are you talking about the league to, to other guys down there and uh, maybe uh, trying to expand the exposure for the WHL down there a bit? I mean, a little bit. I think there's also a couple other guys from phoenix too that play in the league as well and i think we're always we have nothing but good things to say about it but i think it just kind of depends on what each individual player wants and where they are in their development as well and i mean i got nothing great things to say about the whl and i mean whenever we're skating i think just naturally when we're out there people kind of look at us and and see where we're at and kind of compare themselves to us and see what the league's done for us so i think just naturally when we're around around the rinks and stuff like that that we're kind of ambassadors you could say now i don't know if you watched the memorial cup this year at all did you a little bit i watched a couple games but not that closely okay uh i mean the the whl champion has has struggled in the last uh, three or four years at the tournament i think owen 13 is the the record now for the uh, whl champion i know mm-hmm. the hosts like red deer and, and regina have won some games but um and I know there's there's a lot of people who say, well, maybe it's there's too many teams in the WHL and the, and the talent pool is it's too watered down. I argue the opposite. I think there are enough players, but a lot of them are down where you are right now, or in California, or Texas, in Colorado, and and it's the it's the WHL's job to get those players to come north. From your perspective, what could the league do to attract those players more? Um, that's a good question. I mean, it's tough to answer exactly what they could do for to get players like that but I think I mean WHL I think just is a great league as far as the heavy game schedule and the grind and I believe it kind of prepares you for that next level and playing pro in the heavy game schedule they have and I think you have the opportunity to come play when you're 16 so I mean, a lot of it's just personal, like, personal opinions and development, which players are going to think is great for them. And, mm-hmm. I mean, 
I'm not too exactly too sure what the WHL could do specifically. I think they have a do a great job in offering the schooling as well, which is a big part of it for your second. Uh, if you don't move on to the next level and you have the schooling to fall back on, which mm-hmm. I think is great. And I mean, I'm not too sure exactly. It's a tough one to answer. All right, Mark, uh, tell me about the draft and, and how much the uh, the 2019 NHL draft's been on your mind this season after not getting selected last year, which was a surprise to me then. Uh, certainly the season you've had now, and now you're you're being ranked by NHL Central Scouting. Is is the draft, I mean, it's not that far away now. Are you, are you getting a little excited about it, or how do you view the draft? Well, definitely right now I think it's, I'm, uh, I'm getting pretty excited, but I'm still, you never know what can happen at the draft, and uh, you never know if my name's going to be called or not, but I think just having not been picked in the last two years, this year the draft was probably on my mind the least amount of any of the years I played, and I think that was good for me just because I just wanted to focus on the team and helping the team be successful, and with that, my own game kind of prospered as well naturally, and I think, I mean, right now I'm just, kind of trying to enjoy the off season. It's definitely on my mind now that it's only a month away and I'm really excited to see what happens and know that whatever happens for the best and I think I'm just overall really excited. Well, you're you are 20 years old right now. Uh, you'd be uh, going into your overage season. Uh, you, you could get drafted and sign and play in the American Hockey League next year or uh, be like Jermaine Lowen with the Kamloops Blazers who was in your exact shoes Last year, we ended up getting drafted and, and back in the WHL uh, with the Blazers this past season. Uh, for those who uh, who are listening right now who, who don't know you as a player and they look up your stats and see 47 goals and 77 points and 122 penalty minutes, and uh, I tell people that Mark Casta can play on my team any day because I, I love guys who play with an edge uh, and are productive offensively as well. Uh, but for, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, how would you describe yourself? Uh I would describe my game as a big two-way centerman that is power forward as well, that's physical. And, I mean, I think I have, I'm pretty skilled around the net. I think I have a good net front presence as far as rebounds and tipping pucks. And I also think I have a good uh, shot and scoring ability that I think I developed over the course of a couple of years. But I also think I'm not afraid to mix it up and stick up for my teammates. And I also think I'm great on draws. So I think that would be a fair assessment on that game. Six foot three and 220 is the, the sheet that I'm looking at. That's what it tells me uh, for your height and weight. Are those uh, accurate still? Uh, pretty accurate. I think now I'm at 225 currently. So I think that's something, I mean, I'm not afraid to put on a little extra weight because I think it helps me in the long run be stronger and more sturdier on the net. Okay. Um, did you have a favorite team uh, as a kid? I always enjoyed the LA Kings, especially when they went on their run to the cup finals a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. just naturally being from Phoenix, I always liked the Coyotes too. And I always enjoyed going to Coyotes games as a kid whenever I got the chance. Uh, I imagine now it's it's kind of cool to play in an NHL building every night too and, and share a building with the Calgary Flames. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Just to, even getting to watch some practice every day and just passing by guys like Goudreau and Kachuk in the hallway. It's definitely a cool place to be a part of, and I, like, I, like I said before, it's just like I'm super thankful to be in Calgary in a place like that. Well, perfect way to end it, uh, Mark. I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the off season and the off season training, and 
whatever happens at the draft. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you again as uh, you come through town here with the uh, the Calgary Hitmen next year. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Mark Kaslick of the Calgary Hitmen. He's a uh, he's a talented player, and uh, what I like about him, and I mentioned it in that interview, I like a guy who who uh, not only puts up points and, and can lead a team in scoring, but he's hard to play against. And uh, you know, every once in a while, he crosses the line. And I think learning to to rein in the the aggression when uh, necessary is something he's still working on. But uh, I'd rather have to rein a guy in a little bit than have to uh, whip him to get him going. Um, so I, I'm a fan of Mark Kaslick, and I think he will get drafted. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him third, fourth round, something like that. All right, we go from uh, one guy who's not at the Combine to another. Roddy Ross, goaltender with the Seattle Thunderbirds, came on the uh, scene midway through the WHL season, but really made a name for himself. Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasa. Bring it to the slot. To the legs, Barzell walks in, back hill shot, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Well, we were You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. We're back on the Pipeline Show. We go from one 2019 draft spotlight with Mark Castle at the Calgary Hitman to another. And this time uh, it's another WHLer for dubnetwork.ca. Step the date on everything happening in the Western Hockey League by visiting dubnetwork.ca. Uh, another WHL guest. This time we go uh, south of the border. Well, at least he plays south of the border. In the, with the Seattle Thunderbirds, but he's uh, currently in uh, northern Saskatchewan. Uh, Roddy Ross, goaltender of the T-Birds, my guest. A welcome to the Pipeline Show, Roddy. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. You? Uh, I, I'm doing well also, uh, but the NHL draft right around the corner, and I'm not eligible anymore, so uh, I'm sure things are a little bit more exciting for you these days. Is is the draft on your mind much? Uh, yeah, it's something I always think about. Uh, I mean, it's something that's really exciting, I guess, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, and and you really came onto the uh, the radar for a lot of people once you got to the WHL, and this was an interesting season for you. Started off in the Alberta Junior Hockey League with the Camrose Kodiaks, and then uh, right after New Year's, I believe, you signed with the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, and uh, instant success with the T-Birds out in Seattle. What was this season like for you? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster ride. I mean, it was uh, up and down there. Um it was uh the start there was in Camrose. I mean it went uh it went decent there, it went good. And then I decided to make the switch up and with Seattle there once uh Bill contacted me and I guess it just took off from there and that's when the real magic started happening and it just all went good. How long had they been talking to you and, and expressed an interest in you before you actually signed? Uh it actually started at the start of the year and that's when I wasn't as interested in to go in there because I thought I was going to go the NCAA route. Right. And then they told me what's going on there and the trade and stuff. And I said, yeah, let's do it. 
there I was. So that trade was uh, the Liam Hughes trade. They moved him to the Lethbridge Hurricanes. That opened up a spot for a goaltender, and that obviously was enough to, to convince you to go. Um, it seemed like you had an instant fit there, and you had a, a nice run to start with. It didn't take you long to get used to the WHL. Why do you think that was? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it started off, I guess, good. I mean, uh, I guess I got lucky there, and it all went as planned off the start. And I just kept calm and did my thing, and turned out it all worked out. Well, that's for sure. Ended the year with a uh, 9.19 save percentage and a 2.76, excuse me, 2.76 goals against average. It helped get that team uh, back into the playoffs once again. Uh, Roddy Ross is my guest. He uh, plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds of the Western Hockey League and uh, draft eligible this year. Um, Roddy, let's uh, for for those who are listening to this show right now and and might not uh, follow the WHL all that closely, might not recognize the name Roddy Ross. In fact, a lot of people even that watch the WHL because you weren't in the league at the start of the year. Uh, let's get to know you a bit more. Uh, where are you from? I'm actually from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. I know Meadow Lake because I'm from Cold Lake, uh, just across the border in Alberta, and uh, Meadow Lake was the first rink I played in as a kid that had seating all the way around the ice surface. Yeah. So that always felt like it always felt like a professional building to me. Um, Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, for you, not the uh, for those who don't know, not the biggest town in the world. Uh, how, how many people in Meadow Lake these days? Oh, I, I can't even say. I don't even know how much are in here, but yeah, it's not that. Uh, it's not too big of a little town, but it. It's good. It gets the job done, I guess. How old were you when you first started playing, Roddy? I think I was about five years old, five, six years old or something like that. Have you always been a goaltender? I think I changed when I was about seven. Okay, well, that's still pretty young. Yeah. Why did you want to be a goalie? Uh, actually, my parent, my dad didn't want me to be a goalie, and then I guess I had one good game, and that's when I said, no, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be goalie. He didn't really agree on it, and then I guess it just, it just clicked from there. Did he ever tell you why he didn't want you to be a goalie? Uh, no, I think it was just because he was a player, and he, I guess that's what he thought I was going to be good at, and I guess I just didn't want it, and I wanted to be a goalie. Well, hockey's an expensive sport, and uh, and uh, that's even for forwards and defensemen, let alone for the goaltenders and uh, <laughs> for the parents. Yeah. Might be, <laughs> yeah, you get nervous if your kid wants to be a goaltender because uh, it's <laughs> yeah, definitely you hit your wall a little more. Um, well, Roddy, uh, now from going, uh, from Meadow Lake, you, you ended up playing, I know, uh, some of your midget hockey in Lloyd, um, and Tisdale as well in the, uh, Saskatchewan uh, Midget Hockey League, uh, and then to Camrose, as we mentioned, in the AJHL. So you moved around a lot. Um, it's not something that, I mean, it's something that you've, uh, you've done. So moving out to Seattle, I guess, maybe a little bit easier than for most people. Uh, uh did it, uh, was it hard moving around a lot though when you were younger? Uh, no, I think that was something that we wanted. I mean, we moved away. Our first place, we moved to North Alford, and then we went to Lloyd after that. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we moved quite a bit. I guess uh, the parents wanted me to play more competitive hockey, and my lake was just, I guess, at that point where it wasn't as competitive sure. there. So we moved around a bit just to find, a, I guess, higher step, and I guess that's uh, that's what really helped out. Uh, how do you go from Tisdale to Camrose? Does uh, Boris Rabalka call you, or do you call him? Uh, no, it was actually, uh, he called, well, he got contacted to me, and then we uh, went down for a meeting there. That was actually at the Max tournament is where I think they really seen me play. Okay. And that's where it, uh, that's where it all got serious there, and then we went down to the camp there, and I met them. Actually, I went to a game. 
I went to a game and he uh, showed me around, showed me what their uh, what their organization was, and that's when we really took off there, and that's when I said I wanted to play there. Six foot four, one hundred eighty pounds is what the WHL uh, website has you listed at. Is that uh, still up to date? Uh gained about five. So uh, it's just a little off, but no, yeah, that's 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 it. So six four, about one hundred eighty five. Have you stopped growing taller? Yeah. Like, are you done now? Um, I don't know. I actually don't know. I haven't measured myself after that. I guess okay. we'll have to wait till next year or something. All right. When you first arrive in Seattle uh, and joining a team midway through a season like that, did did it take a while to to feel like you weren't in like that you belong there, like you weren't some sort of imposter coming in? Uh, actually, that's what I was thinking about. Is I can't. Uh, I guess I have to pull my weight here because after that trade, I guess I can't be thinking I got to let them rely, you know, like trust me a bit. Mm-hmm. And they actually got me fit in there pretty good. I mean, it was a great bunch of guys and it was a great staff and organization stuff. You know, it made me feel real at home there. And I think that's what really got me nice and comfortable in that organization. Were there one or two guys in particular that sort of uh, uh, put out the welcome mat for you? No, Bill was basically the guy that I find the thing and I talked to him. Bill LaForge. But okay. I think other, yeah, the GM there. But if anything else from that, I think everyone was just all the same. You know, they were all good guys, and it all helped you if you need help on anything, and they were all there. Well, I don't know if, uh, you know, in November you were thinking much about the NHL draft, but when the final rankings for Central Scouting comes out and your name is on it and uh, ranked, uh, I think, what, 17th or something in North America, so you, it's, yeah. it's certainly a possibility you get drafted. Um, was that surprising to you uh, to see your name my uh, uh, at the end of the year there? Uh, yeah, you know, that really uh, did surprise me. And that was uh, that's something, I guess, you like to see. And, you know, it's going to be an exciting day when that comes. And I guess it'll be it'll be fun. Now, for, for people who haven't had a chance to watch you play, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen you yet because uh, Seattle didn't come to Edmonton uh, this season. Uh, I, and most goaltenders are some form of butterfly goaltender nowadays, but what sets you apart a little bit? Is there something unique about the way you play? Uh, I, I don't I actually don't know what, what I play. I think I'm just, uh, do my own thing. And I guess I, uh, just control what I control, I guess. And, uh, just do my thing and it just takes off from there. I mean, I don't really think about what, um, what I'm doing that much. I just kind of do it and it all happens. Oh, so maybe it sounds like you might be a little bit raw still and lots of potential still ahead of you. Yeah, I think that's what uh, some people call me as raw too because I guess I haven't grown up with much of a goalie coaches and stuff. I guess I just learned off my own. Well, that's interesting. Um, did you have a favorite NHL team growing up, Roddy? Uh, yeah, I think my NHL team would have to be uh, Montreal Canadiens. For Carey Price there. Any particular, well, I was going to say any particular reason, but obviously a Carey Price connection. Uh, we talked to a lot of goalies on this show and, uh, Carey Price, probably the goalie who gets, uh, mentioned the most. Uh, anything in particular about Carey Price or his story that, that, that connects with you? Um, I think it was just, uh, yeah, like you said, I think it was just his story that he has and he's just a good role model for the, I guess, the First Nations. And I think that's something I always looked up to. Uh, when I had Ethan Bear on the show, he talked about wanting to represent First Nations people and, and 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 hockey and just kind of be a role model like that. Do you do you feel that way as well? Uh yeah, I guess when you're uh 
when you're at this level, there's people that look up to you and they, you get told that, I mean, that's something that you want to do is represent your community and be a role model for the first nations people and do what you can to just, I guess, succeed and then just be a good, uh, role model for them. Some pressure that goes along with that too, isn't there? How do you handle that? Uh, well, I guess you just gotta, just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta do it. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't, I don't know. I guess you just you just do it. Uh, it's something that uh, I guess that's what my uh, my specialty is is being nice and calm, and it works out. Awesome. Well, you certainly did it with uh, a lot of success this year, Roddy. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, whatever happens to the draft, best of luck, and uh, we'll see you when you come through Edmonton next year with the T Birds. All right. Thank you. Here's Roddy Ross of the Seattle Thunderbirds from uh, good old Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. Uh, not a big town at all. Uh, as I mentioned, I grew up in Cold Lake, Alberta. What it, well, what's now Cold Lake used to be three towns, Grand Center, Cold Lake, and uh, CFB Medley, Canadian Forces Base, uh, Air Force Base. Now it's all kind of amalgamated into one town called Cold Lake, but uh, never actually lived in Cold Lake when I was a kid. It was always Grand Center or on the base. Anyway. We would go and play tournaments in Meadow Lake, which was about, I, I want to say it's about an hour and a half, I guess, from, from Grand Center, from Cold Lake. And it was the first rink that I remember playing in that had seating all the way around it. It felt like, you know, and from Cold Lake, we'd come to Edmonton when I was a kid to watch the Oilers play. And uh, it felt like a mini Northlands Coliseum. I don't know. It was, it was always fun to go play in Meadow Lake. I we I don't remember ever doing very well there, but uh, yeah, those minor hockey uh, memories uh, for sure always stand out. Some of the rinks we played in as kids. I imagine you guys, uh, you listeners, have some memories like that too. You can always share those with me uh, on Twitter at tps underscore gi. It's another uh, that was another in the dub segment as uh, the WHL players and uh, coaches and scouts and media and everything that we have that's WHL centric. They come on the show, and it's sponsored by dubnetwork.ca. Always lots to find at Dub Network, and uh, I'm overdue for a story there, actually. So I'll be doing that here in the next little bit, my Flaming Hot Takes uh, column. But up next, uh, not a WHL-centric segment, but another guest who is, uh, well, in Western Canada. He's going to be uh, heading south to play college hockey. Uh, this time next year, he'll be uh, wrapping up his freshman season at St. Cloud State. He's a terrific player in the Alberta Junior Hockey League with the Grand Prairie Storm. His name is Zach Okabe, and uh, he has a uh, how he got from where where he was born, the countries he's lived in, where he's uh, started playing his hockey, to where he is now. Uh, you haven't heard a story like it. So that's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Get to know Zach Okabe of the Grand Prairie Storm. Coach Dibbon could not resist leaving Newhook out there. Newhook will wind up out of his own zone. He went from Newfoundland to Victoria last year, and here he goes. Wide around the Newhook Newhook scores! He does it again! Hi, it's Alex Newhook of the Victoria Grizzlies, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. Score! And Patrick Sharp. 
We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and uh, pleased to end this week's episode with another 2019 draft spotlight segment. Another player that's eligible for the upcoming NHL draft, uh, and this time uh, it's coming. From our backyard here in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and we go up to uh, Grand Prairie, although my guest I don't believe is currently in Grand Prairie. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, joined now by Zach Okabe of the uh, Grand Prairie Storm. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Zach. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. And, and maybe where are you right now in, in the off season? Do you, do you stick around Grand Prairie or do you go down south? Yeah, I'm actually still in uh, Grand Prairie. We're not. Me and a couple of buddies from, the, from my team, we all decided to just finish our grade 12 year up here and graduate here. Oh, okay, great. So you're still up there. Um, t- tell me about this past season uh, for you in the Storm, and, and I know for the Storm you finished good enough to, to make the playoffs, first-round exit, but uh, how did the season go for you in the team? Uh, I think it was a good season overall, reflecting on it. Obviously, we wanted to go a bit further in playoffs in the first round, and we thought we had the team that could uh, go a bit further and stuff, but... Uh, I mean, stuff happens, and uh, we had a we had a tough first round matchup against Fort Mac, and they played well. Yeah, you know, obviously we wanted to play hockey a bit longer and empty out the tank a bit more, but the way it went, and uh, yeah, a lot of lot of learning experiences, and it was a really good team, and it was one of the closest teams I've been on. So, uh, for you, second year in the AJHL, you had uh, 58 points this season. 31 of those were goals. Points-wise, pretty much the same as your rookie year. You had 57 then, uh, but you went up in goals. Um, are, were you happy with this season uh, from a uh, production standpoint? Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I guess, more last year, my rookie season, I, I was kind of, I wasn't scoring as much or scoring as much goals. I was more like giving the puck away a bit quicker, not holding, uh, holding on to the puck as much and, just kind of, I was playing on a line of two twenties for pretty much the whole year, and they could put the puck in the net a lot. And uh, so I think maybe my role changed a little bit, and then I just held on to the puck a bit more and uh, trying to just uh, my shot got a bit heavier in the off season, so trusted that a bit more. So did you find yourself taking on a bit more of a, a leadership role, a veteran role on the team? Oh uh, yeah, I felt uh, just. Even though I'm still a bit younger, uh, on the, this younger guy on the team, just kind of being a like role model for the younger guys, especially the 16 year olds coming in and the affiliates and just, uh, even though I'm younger, I felt like, uh, we could, we, it doesn't matter your age, you can learn from anyone, right? So, yeah, oh. kind of just trying to be a good role model for all those guys and being good at school with all the guys that are still in school, so. Uh, that's the right attitude to have, Zach. Uh, my guest is Zach Okabe. He plays for the Grand Prairie Storm in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, he's my guest in the 2019 Draft Spotlight. Uh, Zach, what we like to do in this part of the show is let my audience kind of get to know somebody that's in your shoes, being a, a draft-eligible player, and not everybody that's hearing this interview right now will have any idea who you are. Right. Uh, so let's get a bit of background, if you don't mind. Where are you from? Oh, uh, well, uh, it's kind of a long, 
journey. Like I, I'm, I live in Oak Oaks currently, but I, I was actually born in Japan and like I was raised in Australia. Uh-huh. And then uh, I, we stopped in uh, Nashville for a year until moving to Canada for, for good. How long have you been in Okotoks? How long in Canada? Uh, this would be this would be my seventh year. Seventh year, so in Canada, yeah. Okay, so you were uh, take me again. Born in Japan, grew up in Australia, and then Nashville. How long were you in those three countries? Uh, may, I only lived in Japan for probably a year or two, but I mainly spent most of my life in Australia, then uh, close close to a year in Nashville. I don't sense a, a, any sort of accent, and I mean those are v- three very yeah. different countries. Obviously, as a baby, you're not uh, speaking Japanese or anything, but um, uh, Australian accent, I don't hear it at all. I don't hear a Nashville twang or yeah. anything like that either. So, where'd that go? Yeah, no. Well, well, uh, Japanese was actually my first language. <laughs> not oh. a lot of people know that. I don't. Yeah, I don't really speak it. We don't really speak it anymore. Anything. I kind of lost a bit of it, but. Uh, yeah, my, if you, uh, know my mom or my dad, then, then you, you hear the accents, but I think I just kind of grew out of it, like, kind of being in my teen years in Canada, so. Now, if you don't mind, uh, why the, the, the moving around as a kid? Just, uh, what, whatever your parents do for a living? Uh, that played a role, but I'd say more just, uh, better opportunities for me and my sisters, like, huh. uh, like, uh, yeah, they sacrificed a lot, obviously, and that's a big jump to just move across the world just uh to take a risk of playing hockey and then my sisters are figure skaters and then my older sister uh was a goalie yeah used to be a goalie for Dalhousie and then uh she's just going to school of UFC now but my sister's uh still figure skating so okay I just better opportunity for all of us all right well for you Zach uh, when did you get the bug to start playing hockey and, and where were you at that point in your life uh I started skating in Penrith uh, in New South Wales with them. my dad played hockey and he actually went to St. Cloud State too. Okay. Uh, he yeah he was an import like he was <laughs> he he didn't speak any, any English but he was going to school in the states so he went to St. Cloud and uh, he loved hockey and uh, played hockey all his life and uh, he kind of just showed me the ropes when I was younger. Probably started skating when I was probably three or four in hockey. I don't know hockey is a Back then, uh, hockey wasn't too big. It's grown a lot more since I've left, but uh, it was tough to find ice and teams, so we had to put together a team and stuff like that. And We had like seven players probably. <laughs> so, On, In an international sense, uh, have, you haven't played for Canada internationally. I, I, looking at your, um, your sort, of, your sort of your bio, so could you, ha- could you actually still play for Australia? Who would you play for if you had the opportunity? Uh, well, yeah, I was... Uh, I actually like couldn't. I wasn't allowed to like play for Canada or like try out for any teams like that for or like for the World Junior Challenge or anything like that because I wasn't a citizen yet okay. in Canada. I just I just got it like two months ago. Oh, interesting. So now I have three passports. But yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know what the rules are or anything, but uh, yeah, I'm a citizen in three of those countries. I don't see why I can uh, now. So. Well, once you, I think once you play for in an IIHF event uh, for whichever country you played for, you'd kind of be locked into that for forever, wouldn't you? So if you played for Canada uh, at the U18s or something, as an example, then that would be your hockey citizenship, if you will, for the rest of your life. But so you haven't had yeah. that, that opportunity. Have you played for Australia in the past at, at a younger age? Uh, I, I'm not 
like Australia, I've played for like New South Wales, and there's this thing called a state tournament in Australia, and but nothing, nothing like that. I was probably way too young for anything serious to happen yet. Well, that's really interesting. You had a very uh, unique path uh, to to get to where you are in your hockey career. Uh, no question about yeah. that. All right. Well, tell me about uh, playing in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and, and how you. I, I'm just looking through your bio, and I see you had a, a, a brief stint with the Victoria Grizzlies, uh, all of one game, but uh, that was a couple of years ago. How did you end up in Grand Prairie? I just, I mean, uh, Matt, uh, the coach Matt, and the GM Mark, uh, they kind of reached out to me when I was in Shawinigan. I, I was in Shawinigan for my midget year, mm-hmm. and they kind of reached out to me, and uh, I was kind of. That summer, I was kind of just deciding where where the best place for me would be and where to, where I'd develop the best and stuff like that. And I felt most comfortable yeah, after coming up here and uh, felt most comfortable with the coaches and who was surrounded and stuff like that. And uh, I think it worked out. So Now, uh, the sheet I'm looking at says you, you will be going to St. Cloud State in the this coming season. Is that uh, accurate? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I mean, anything happened, right? But. Uh, yeah, as of right now, I'll be heading there next year. Okay. How long have you been committed to the Huskies, officially? It sounds like it's always been your plan, but uh, when did you actually uh, sign a letter of intent or have you yet? Uh, I signed my NOI, I think, ooh, probably right after Christmas time and probably in the new year sometime. I can't remember what month, maybe maybe February or maybe okay. even earlier. And but I, uh, I was actually, yeah, I was actually committed to Vermont for like most of last year. Oh, is that right? So uh, I guess yeah. why the why the change? You mentioned your dad played at St. Cloud. I I, I have to assume yeah. that's part of the the decision. But why uh why initially committing to to Vermont and then uh and detouring from that? Uh, there's a lot that went uh a lot that went on behind the scenes and stuff like that. But main, the main reason is uh. I was really close with the with the coach, uh, coach Pollock at Vermont, and he ended up uh, he ended up leaving the program, and then mm. we uh, talked for a bit, and we just kind of thought we should reconsider. I, I was super young too, that's why it, it was a bit of a rush, I guess. Uh, I don't know, but um, I felt uh, comfortable with exploring other options at, at that point if the, the coach I was really comfortable with uh, left the program for certain reasons. So. Uh, Zach yeah. Okabe, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. All right, so what is it about uh, St. Cloud that was the right fit for you? When you knew you had to make a change from the Catamounts, uh, why did you land at at uh, St. Cloud State? Uh, I've always, I always knew, like, uh, like I've always been a Huskies fan. Like growing up, even in Australia, my dad would always talk about them. Yeah, we have always had a St. Cloud jersey, even in Australia, and I just think that's always been uh, a part of me. And to get that opportunity is it's pretty awesome. It's not an opportunity that everyone gets. And, uh, I mean, I, I went down there for an official visit and I just, I, I just knew that was the right place for me. Well, they've been one of the best uh, teams of the last two or three seasons. Uh, in fact, this year, I think they were the number one ranked team for, for most, most yep. of the year. Really struggling once they get to the national tournament. Can't get out of the first round the last couple of years. But yeah, um, right. a lot of uh, local guys playing for that program. They don't have to go that far uh, to find players. But uh, we have seen some players from uh, the AJHL uh, land down there. There's a couple, I believe, that are on the roster and, and maybe another one that's going as well. How, how Do you know, are you familiar with some of the guys that are there? Oh, I mean, not really. Like, I, when I went down to visit, I, I kind of stayed with a couple of guys and hung out with them and 
so I'm not going to come to my athlete too soon. But uh, recruits-wise, I mean, I've talked to a couple of guys that are going in this year, but we've never really uh, like crossed paths at any point besides playing against each other. So, uh, no, like, uh, yeah, so we're all kind of just going in, uh, not knowing each other, but I'm just, uh, that's why uh, a bunch of the guys go down in the summer just to get familiar with each other and train with each other and just become a team and stuff like that. So. Right, right. Um, Zach Okabe, my guest, uh, for the fans listening right now who haven't had a chance to watch you play and, and uh, come to the NHL draft, might hear your name uh, being uh, chosen by one of their favorite teams. Uh, give us a, a, a bit of a self-scouting report. Uh, what kind of a player are you? I think uh, I'm a skilled four that uh, I see myself more as a playmaker. Uh, situations change. If you need to put the puck in the net, you need to put the puck in the net. So that's why I kind of but, uh, I kind of took on the role of uh, scoring a lot more this year, I guess. But personally, I see myself as a playmaker, but uh, I can also put the puck in the net. Uh, definitely, definitely undersized, but uh, it's not, nothing you can do about that besides get stronger. Yeah, just a free forward, I guess. Uh, playmaker. Well, well, the sheet I'm looking at says five nine, 168 pounds. Is that accurate? Is that up to date? Yeah. Okay, so you're not the biggest guy in the world, but it hasn't stopped you from having success and, and getting to this point of your career. Uh, as a smaller guy, how do you uh, use that maybe to your advantage, and, and how is size not a disadvantage for you? Uh, I mean, obviously I'm not like the most physical guy on the team, stuff like that, but I mean, it doesn't matter what my, uh, how tall I am or whatever like that. I'm always confident in myself that if I'm going to the corner against a guy, no matter his size, I'm, I'm going to come out with the puck. So, I mean, it's nothing. It's always been a challenge for me when people say it's like for every small guy, like there's always going to be the doubt of if you can play against the big boys and stuff like that. But you just got to end up uh, pushing that aside and improving yourself later, like when the time comes. So, Zach, the NHL draft is uh, about a month away now, maybe just uh, a little under that. Uh, is the draft something that you've been thinking about much uh, over the course of this season? I yeah, well, I want to say it's not my mind. I think every every kid at my age and uh, playing hockey at some certain level and certain age, and obviously like the rankings and stuff like that. If you hear your name on it, obviously it's going to be on your mind. But um, I'm not expecting. Uh, like, I'm not really just expecting to get my name called. Like I know there's a lot of stuff. Uh, every teams have different opinions, stuff like that. But. Uh, it's not something I was stressed about. That's why I think the college route's going to really help me as a player and give me time to develop. And, um, if it happens, it happens, and that's that's a great accomplishment, obviously. But, I mean, it, it's what happens in the long run, not right now. So. Well, again, that's the right attitude to have. There's 31 teams in uh, seven rounds. That's 217 uh, picks. You're ranked 201 in North America by Central Scouting. Now anything can happen. There are guys who will get drafted who aren't ranked at all. Um, so that doesn't mean that you're, uh, you will or you won't get uh, drafted. But if you don't get chosen, there's sort of an advantage also to, to being a free agent, uh, at the end of your college career too, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. And that's why, uh, that's why I talk to St. Claude coaches a lot about, they had guys like Jimmy Shaw and Patrick Neal, like those Hobie candidates and stuff like that that I don't think were either drafted that as, uh, they just stuck to their plan and, uh, had four years of college both and, and uh, they had multiple offers, and I know guys uh, are going to be on a team this year. I had multiple offers too, right? But mm-hmm. 
they took their time and developed the way they needed to and uh, stuck with it, and things will work out in the end. If there's an area of your game you think needs the most work, what would you suggest that would be? Uh, I think uh, just becoming a more powerful skater. I, I, I think I think I'm a good skater and faster, uh, especially playing against men next year. You need to be well on your feet and be able to keep top speed and your balance and all that stuff. So being more stable and strong because I'm going to be playing with a lot stronger guys and stuff like that. And so I guess just getting stronger in general. How do you think? I'm uh, oh, sorry, uh, Zach. Didn't mean to cut you off there. How do you think the uh, AJHL has prepared you for that next step? Oh, I think it's I think it's definitely good. Like uh, a lot of uh, it, it hasn't been seen as. I mean, actually nowadays uh, they see like a lot of college commitments coming out of it that and the BCHL and stuff like that. It's definitely growing as a like a a contender for the top league in in Canada. Obviously, the close to the BCHL and stuff like that, but. Um, I think it's definitely helped me, uh, just like the coaches and my teammates I was surrounded with and competition. It was, it was good in the North Division. So, well, Lastly, uh, for me, Zach, uh, considering your uh, international uh, upbringing, did you have a favorite NHL team growing up? Or was it when you finally arrived in uh, Southern Alberta? I don't know if you're a, a Flames fan or not. Uh, did you have a team? Uh, as a kid, I grew up always. Uh, like in uh, Ovechkin and Washington, I don't, I don't know why. I don't think we play like at all, but <laughs> I just, he's always been my favorite player, and uh, I've always always been a Washington fan. Then I guess living in Calgary, I, I support the Flames too, so probably probably those two. Excellent. Well, Zach, I really yeah. appreciate your time today. Uh, enjoy the rest of the off season, uh, the NHL draft, whatever happens uh, with that event, and uh, when you get off to St. Cloud, maybe we'll chat again. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's uh, Zach Okabe from the Grand Prairie Storm. Uh, a friend of mine, Rick Jackson from NHL Central Scouting, is a uh, a fan of Okabe's. Mentioned him to me earlier this season and uh, said he was a guy that would be on his list. And sure enough, at the end of the year, he's uh, still on NHL Central Scouting's list. Yes, albeit 201 overall in North America. So there is a chance he doesn't get taken. Uh, in the NHL draft, but when he's got the right attitude, doesn't he? If he doesn't get drafted, you still work your tail off and you end your college career uh, being one of those coveted free agents. Um, so who knows what can happen for him? You'll hear from him, I'm sure. Uh, listen, St. Cloud State, very good program. They've recruit, recruited very well. If uh, he's on a, on their list, uh, then you know, Okabe, there's something there. Might not be the biggest guy in the world, but lots of skill and ability to play the game. That wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Next week, more of the same. We get the, we just keep going ham as the uh, NHL draft gets closer and closer. Get to know more guys who are eligible for the 2019 NHL draft. If there's some news stories we can touch on, we'll do that as well. Maybe we'll uh, uh, grab somebody from Medicine Hat to talk about the uh, coaching change here as uh, that's just become official at the end of the week. Sean Clouston out as a uh, coach and GM and... Willie Desjardins returning to the Medicine Hat Tigers uh, as uh, coach and GM. That story first broken by uh, Greg Drennan. You can follow his blog at uh, Taking Note. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, if you there are some specific topics or stories you want me to talk about in the offseason of July, that's the offseason month, uh, let me know and uh, we can talk about that. You can uh, sign up on Patreon, patreon.com slash show. That way you can converse directly with me if you or you, you want to follow me on Twitter and send me messages, you can do that as well. But uh, the uh, the people who sign up on Patreon 
do get early access to all these segments and interviews that you hear on the Pipeline Show. They get them first. So if you got a couple of bucks to spare each month, uh, that's what you can put towards uh, that uh, and uh, help support the show. I really appreciate it. Honestly, I do. I'm glad that uh, people have taken an interest in supporting the show and uh, that you find value in in what I do here uh, for you, the listener. With that said, that is the, the episode for the week. So when we come back next week, more about the draft. Between now and then, get out and educate yourself on some of the prospects. We can talk about them next week here on the Pipeline Show. Till then, I'm Keith Flaming. See ya.